Welcome to Real Raw Recorded, the podcast you never knew you needed, discussing all things fitness, wellness, and life. Here's your host, Daniel Smith. Yes, welcome back, world. I'm your host, Daniel Smith, and you are tuned in to another episode of Real Raw Recorded. If this is your first time checking this thing out, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I know this is not easy to find time in your day to listen to me talk. And if you are a repeat offender, I appreciate you continuing to support as we politic on all things fitness, wellness, and life. This episode, guys, is brought to you by me as it is always brought to you by me. And I'm going to talk a little bit about fitness today. This is something that's kind of been on my mind and I figured it's a perfect time to kind of jump on it. Uh, before I get started, I want to give you a quick reminder that as usual, like I don't know what it is. It feels like this is kind of the twilight zone in the last like month, four, four to five weeks. There's been all sorts of stuff happening in my life. And every time I try to record, something happens. First, the mic dies. Then, uh, you know, the, 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 the computer's not working. And now it's like there's a, a, a big bash or big Miami Vice bash happening out, outdoors while I'm trying to record this. So if you hear any kind of bleeding over, you're going to know what's going on. I'm trying to insulate as much as possible. But you know how this thing goes and I figure it's better to get this thing recorded than make excuses to you as to why I didn't. So I want to jump in guys a fitness podcast. I haven't done one of these in a while. I want to focus predominantly on the concept of strength today. As as I have been a multi-sport athlete my entire life, one of the things that I have always leaned on in terms of my 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 benefit or my I guess the thing I would have as an advantage is is just raw strength. So I noticed pretty early on that I have been given some great tools and gifts physically that the average person has has never had access to. And and so I didn't always use them. I can tell you that, you know, when I was in in school, particularly, it's ironic. I have such a crazy story throughout basically my entire young adult life. I didn't exercise ever. Like I I didn't exercise ever. There wasn't a point where I'm like, oh, I'm going to kind of exercise here and then not or whatever. No, no. Like I didn't exercise once. And looking back at it now, it's interesting because I made it all the way to the pro level of sport without exercising until I had to. And what I mean by this is had to. I should have started ages ago, but had to in the sense that I was preparing for the professional football combine. And for those of you who don't know, the football combine is basically like your interview. Like if you go to a regular job interview and a a big predominance of that football combine is physical tasks. So you have your 225 bench press, 225 pounds, how much you can bench press. Um, You have your sprint series, you have your agility work, so on and so forth. So I had to actually start training for that first time then. So it wasn't until I got to about 19 that I actually said, okay, let me start this exercise thing. And it's crazy because that ended up being my career. Now, for those of you who don't know, you know, I, I own two fitness facilities here in Toronto and we, we provide some of the best personal training that you're going to find across this country. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. And, and looking back at it, it's really interesting how things started. That being said, all of my success has been founded in strength. So once I started training, I got more effective than I could ever be in all of the tasks that I wanted to. And I always look back and think to myself, man, if only I had really locked in when I had the chance, this, this, this story might be written differently. But, you know, 
It's one of those, you know, coulda, woulda, shouldas. It's funny, one of my favorite gym teachers when I was growing up, Mr. Perovic, Mike Perovic, shout out to Mike if you listen to this. He would always say to, to all of the students, because we're so inquisitive, we're in grade nine and 10, and we're always asking, well, what if, and what if, and what if, and what if? And I remember one day I was talking to him and and we we played lots of sports together. He was my coach for many sports. I was I told you I was obviously was was pretty talented. And so uh, w- one day I was asking him a question. I said, well, what if, and and I knew it as soon as I said what, what if I knew what was going to happen. He stopped me and he's a big Greek guy, like six two, like super athletic. And he said, "Listen, Dan, like what?" And and and, and whoever's about to listen to this, don't don't try to cancel me. This is like word for word for Mr. Perovic when I'm in grade ten. And at the time, it was very funny. It still is very funny right now. Don't cancel me, please. But uh, it, it it at the time it was very funny, and I understand that it's not really culturally appropriate now, but it was very funny then. So he says, Dan. What if your aunt had testicles? Would she be your uncle? And, and and looking back at it, I was like, what? But, you know, thinking about it, it really didn't make sense. What he was basically trying to say is all these what ifs and stuff like really don't matter because we can't deal with the uncertainties of life. That's a whole other podcast for another day. But, you know, from back then, I remember Mr. Provik was really keen on on exercise and getting me active and so on and so forth. And there's so much opportunity I had from that, from developing base level strength. And and I distinctly remember getting into, you know, what, whether it's middle school or high school or even going to university and playing at a high level. And I remember every season, every off season, I'd have an opportunity to uh, I'd have an opportunity to sit and and develop myself in the off season. And for some reason, I just never took it. I think that part of a part of my development in life was that. I was always, and I always felt this way, I was always intellectually maybe a step ahead of the class I was in. And and I don't know why that was the case. I don't know what led that to be. I don't know how it ended up being me, or I don't even know if that was true. It just felt that way. So I remember going through school, always feeling like, feeling like I was more intelligent than the average person around me. And this kind of translated to to exercise. So I remember in university, I used to get kicked out kicked out of uh, our weight training sessions all the time. You could ask, ask our, we had one, one, one clown, clown coach, Dwayne Cameron. He still coaches in the CFL. If, if Dwayne Cameron listened to this, screw you, Dwayne. <laughs> but, but we had this guy, he was Dwayne Cameron. He, in, in, in legitimacy, I'm sure he's a, he's a nice guy and stuff, but his coaching tactics back then were poor. Um, you know, looking back at it now, I, I see what a, a real coach is and I understand having risen to and past his level in this industry and seeing what quality coaching looks like. I know that wasn't it, but you know, we all deserve to grow. And anyway, we had this coach Dwayne and he was the head of strength and conditioning for our, our training program at the time. And so we would come in and positionally, like, for example, if you were running back, you'd come in with the running backs or wide receiver, whatever, and you would train. And I remember I used to get kicked out all the time. And part of the reason why is because I just, you know, wasn't, I, I wasn't invested in what was going on. And when I say I wasn't invested, it wasn't because I didn't care. It was because I didn't understand. I didn't understand the value behind it. I didn't understand the importance behind it. I didn't understand what training, structured training could bring to me. The other half was that, as I said, Dwayne was a very poor role model and leader, and he never really connected with those that didn't already have it. And what what I mean by this is like, if I were to look up and down that roster, it was a championship roster. Keep in mind, the year before I came, the, we had just won the Vanier Cup, which is the 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 championship for the best team in Canada. 
And so it, it was a championship roster. But I found that unless you were one of his guys, you, you, he just didn't lock into you and he kind of treated you like lesser. And so, you know, for me, I, I just felt like he was unintelligent. I just felt like I wasn't getting anywhere. And so I just wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't be in there 100 percent. I'd get kicked out all the time. Looking back at it now, that was the wrong approach. And and while he's still a moron, it there was not I I I was not doing anything to him by getting kicked out or being reserved or not. Like guys, people who know me from university know it's crazy doing a podcast now, they never believe it. Because I said probably two words in university. But but the thing that is important to note is that me not saying anything or being reserved or not buying into whatever they're offering, it wasn't hurting him, it was hurting me. And in the long run, I stunted my potential growth moving forward, not just professionally in terms of the sport, but personally um, as I went. And it's something I learned as I began to kind of, you know, na- navigate my way through life. And so I bring this podcast to you because I think strength is so important. And I want to touch base on some basic strength training tips that are key. Uh, but before I do, I want to kind of correlate why strength is important to everyday life. And I think this is key. It doesn't matter if your clients are trying to like uh, get stronger, raw strength, lose weight, faster, whatever it might be. Let's start with just raw strength. If you're trying to get stronger, you have to get strong before you get stronger. That's that's the statement I make to a lot of clients who are trying to get stronger. They say to me, oh, Dan, like, how are you able to do this, this, and this, and this? And, and I say to them all the time, listen. Guys, you have to get strong before you get stronger. And, and I think some people don't understand what I mean by this. And, and what I mean by this is simple. is sometimes when we're in a position, we're, we're trying to improve our personal success when it comes to our training and our regimen. What we like to do is we like to, we like to jump the line. We like, to, we like to say, okay, you know what? Because I can lift this, I should be lifting this. And that's not true. Just because you can lift 10 pounds doesn't mean that you should be lifting 10 pounds. And in fact, you may have not earned the ability to lift 10 pounds. Generally speaking, how we'll know if you're in that ability is the next day you'll generally be smoked if you haven't earned that ability. So so we are clear, strength training is emphasis on the concept of training. We are actually going through the training process. It's a structure and mentality. It's not just lifting as much as you can and then just saying good luck to this. This is not one of those social media 10-second videos where someone goes and lifts whatever they can and passes out. That's not strength training. That's that's something else. We don't know what that is. So you know, raw strength, you have to get strong before you get stronger. If we're looking at someone who wants to lose weight, when we're talking about the concept of metabolic adaptation, meaning the ability for your metabolism to meet with the means of your ability to create function, that is what the value of strength is, is that if I don't have a collection of lean muscle tissue that can help in my battle to balance out my weight, it's going to be next to impossible for me to eat my way to success. So I, like, I want to be clear, I'm not a nutritionist here, but I can tell you from understanding basic science is that if you are at a place where you think that you're just going to eat your way because oh, nutrition is 80% of the battle, any of those colloquial terms you hear out there or sayings, um, if you think that you're just going to eat your way to success, understand this is going to be a long, lonely, emotional road. And part of the reason is, is that we, we didn't start eating poorly yesterday and all of a sudden gain that weight today. This is a years long, this is a years long saga that we've been dealing with. Some of us 10, 15, some of us 20, 30, some of us our whole life. So we need to ensure and understand that if we are going to take the eating approach, we need to have some supplemental help. And that's going to come from strength training, because the more lean body tissue that we can put on our body, the easier it will be to do things like basic weight loss, 
um, uh, uh, um, uh, blood sugar balance. That way you can avoid the cravings. And then just overall dealing with the emotional imbalance of not being able to take advantage of those foods that are trigger foods for us when life becomes stressful. So those are some of the benefits for someone who's trying to lose weight. Let's say you're trying to get faster. Um, I don't want to go too too heavy into the science here, but we have essentially fast twitch and slow twitch fibers. We have our type A, type B, type 2. So there's a bunch of different fibers that we have in the body. We have a set of fibers that do a certain task, a set of fibers that do another. Uh, science has shown us that as an individual, you are generally born with a set segments of fibers. Let's say you are you are predisposed to being someone who uses fast twitch fibers, meaning that you're explosive, uh, you have much more um, uh, accelerated feet, uh, uh, speed or force than the average person needs to train to that point. Or you are what we call a slow twitch fiber uh, individual. And so that means that you are have better endurance overall. So you're able to do tasks for longer, more controlled period of times. Uh, so regardless of whichever fiber set that you are, if you're trying to get faster, studies have shown that genetically you are born with a set sequence of, of fibers that remain what they are. Now, it's, it, it is important to know or it's, it is imperative to note that when we're going through the process of those fibers, uh, we have to recognize that there we can train to improve our subset that we have. Now, studies have also shown that although we can train to improve them, generally speaking, you are what you are. And so you can get studies that can support either side. But essentially, this means that if you're a slow twitch fiber type and you start training fast twitch fiber and strength and so on and so forth, that doesn't mean that you're going to go from being a marathon runner to a world class sprinter. That's not necessarily the case. You might improve your marathon, your marathon time substantially. You might get a 1500 time that's great, 800, whatever. But essentially, being born with an endurance type is going to be very hard to transfer that to a fast twitch explosive short distance type and vice versa. So another benefit, though, of strength training is that helps aid in the balance aspect. So if you are someone who's endurance based and you're trying to quicken your pace, you will be able to have those bursts of speed that maybe somebody else who doesn't strength train uh, doesn't have. You know, or let's say you are someone who is an elite runner and you're trying to get that extra couple, you know, couple seconds. By adding strength training, all you're doing is stimulating and accentuating the musculature that you already have. And that's why it's so beneficial to incorporate it with your clients regardless of goal. So now I want to talk about some random tips. As you guys know, when I do this podcast, there's no, there's no like perceived, I don't write anything down. I just kind of go off the cuff in terms of what comes to my head. So I'm going to give these tips in like kind of in a randomized order based upon what I think, but these are things that I think that a lot of people don't consider when they're going through the training process, and I think they can be very beneficial overall for the individual. So the first, the first tip when it comes to strength training kind of goes back to our first rule: you have to get strong in order to get stronger. So what I what what I what I want to highlight here is that very commonly with strength training, we believe the heavier you lift, the stronger you are. That's not really it; it's the heavier you train. Right. So the heavier you train, the stronger you are. So I'll give you an example. 
today I just went and did some back squats. It's my back squat days, Thursday. Thursday morning I go and I do my back squat set. This has been something I've been doing for the past about six to eight weeks, and I've seen my strength uh, progressively improve. So I, just using some randomized numbers. So let's say my back squat was 100 pounds, okay? Me going into the facility and that's, I'm sorry, my back squat max was 100 pounds. So me going to the facility and trying to back squat 105 pounds and then being successful doesn't actually do anything for me. In fact, I would say if you're trying to squat 105 pounds, but you know your, your, your back squat max is 100 pounds, you're probably just wasting your time. I don't even care if you complete the lift. Like, like I hate to say it, if you really talk to a lot of strength training enthusiasts, they'll tell you, they'll say, like, listen, like, it's not even that, that big of a deal that you get this lift one time. What we're looking for is actually improving your raw strength. So when you're going through the process of strength training, lifting 105 is not the importance. We're looking at percentages. So what I would suggest you do, and now keep in mind, this varies depending upon the type of client, the experience, the background, the time, all those other variables. But what I suggest you do, if you're trying to improve your raw strength, you're trying to get your 100 pounds up to a true 105 or a 110. When we say true, we mean like an absolute one rep max. If you're trying to do that, what you don't want to be doing is just lifting a bunch of weight. What you want to be doing is finding out what your percent, what your percentages are. And you want to be lifting in that 75 to 90 category. So meaning that 75 to 90, if it's 100 pounds, you want to be lifting at around 75 pounds to 90 pounds or 75 to 90% of your absolute max. Because what you're going to do is if you train at that percentage, what will happen is your overall ability to lift becomes better because your body is able to build an adherence to the process. And then guess what happens? Your one rep max at 100 pounds starts to increase naturally because if you instead of doing one rep six times at 100 if you do three reps five times sorry three reps five reps yeah three reps five times at let's say 85 immediately that starts lifting your ceiling because you're able to do more volume at a lesser weight but it's very close to your top percentage so if I am you, I'm looking at looking at my five rep, my three rep max. That's where I'm going to spend my time focusing if I'm trying to get stronger, not my one rep. Remember, adapt, adaptation is, is the body's mainstay. We've done this for hundreds of years. That's why we're physically still here as mammals because we've adapted. So you have to allow your body to adapt in situations and see what the potential and the capacity is. Uh, which brings me to kind of my next tip when it comes to the strength training process is you have to keep timing correct. And this is something I see a lot. Like what, what, what happens is, you know, a lot of guy, a lot of people in general will go into the strength training and they'll say, oh man, you know, I'm strength training so I can take lots of rest. You're absolutely right. You can take a ton of rest. But the thing you got to recognize with strength training is in order to truly get stronger, you have to be able to measure not only your in-stimulus, but your out-stimulus. And what I mean by in-stimulus and out-stimulus, in-stimulus is when you go to, to, to that deadlift bar and you grab it and you stand up, that's in-stimulus, stimulus you are putting in. Out-stimulus is the time or the off time in which you are not lifting. That is still stimulus in itself. You may not be physically inf inflicting force on the body, but there's still a stimulating factor there. So what we're looking at from a success standpoint is we're trying to ensure that we get the most out of the process, all right? So we're trying to get the most out of the process, 
through both in stimulus and out stimulus. So if you're only controlling the in stimulus, eventually what's going to happen is you're going to become limited in your long term success. So we need to know what time you are resting and it needs to be a set time. And in fact, it generally needs to increase under control, meaning at the same rate as you start to get into heavier lifts. I'll give you an example from from this morning. I've recognized that my body works better under a three-minute rest cycle for all of the reps under about 80% to my max. When I get to about 80% of my max, I get up to a four-minute rest cycle at minimum. That's minimum, guys. I want to be clear. You can do some variance depending upon how you're feeling, but at minimum. I actually realize once I get 90% upwards, I need five minutes or five minutes or more in order to get to where I want to go. So I'm not always clock watching or any of that type of stuff, but I have a clock running as soon as I finish my set. That way I can get an approximation of time to ensure that I don't overshoot. Because remember, when we talk about in-stimulus versus out-stimulus, the only one you can really control is the in-stimulus. Because once you put weight on that deadlift bar, let's say you put 50 pounds on the deadlift bar, that weight doesn't change every single rep, every single set. It doesn't change. It's always 50 pounds unless you change it. The thing is with time, Time changes all the time. Time is a factor we cannot control. Time will continue to move regardless of what we do. Stopwatch, phone, uh, we go to sleep, we wake up, we do whatever. It doesn't matter. Time will continue to move. And so this means that if we don't keep an eye on that time, we could change the variable of out stimulus. So instead of giving three, three and a half minutes, all of a sudden we're giving eight. So if you gave yourself in the first two sets, three and a half minutes, your third set, you give eight and your fourth set, you're back to three and a half. What do you think is going to happen? Now, the result is going to vary. So that's kind of what we want to avoid is is messing around with our in stimulus and out stimulus. So timing your sets is key. Being able to really understand that the time you put into your sets is going to be hugely beneficial to what you're going to get out in the long in the long run. Uh, My next tip I want to touch base on, and these are, as I said, once again, all just randomized tips of things I think are really important. Work on your grip strength. Man, I can't, I, I can't stress it enough. I've worked with thousands of clients over my career, guys. I've helped hundreds of people become successful in their journey to 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 health, regardless of what their journey is. And out of those hundreds of people I've helped, each and every one of them had one thing in common that did did very, very, very well for them is they had grip strength. And that doesn't mean that they all had it when they came, but they all made it an emphasis to their success. Looking back right now, some of my best clients, so some of my best clients, period, you know, some of the best clients, all they did was focus on grip strength when they came to some of their parallels. Uh, One of the things that's important to note is that your grip strength is directly relative to your pull or push strength. So if you don't have the ability to grip strength, grip grip something, your your pull and push power aggressively drops. So I don't know if you ever see those people who try to do a deadlift and they're lifting and that bar's peeling away from their hands. It's not possible. It is not possible for you to lift your max, your true max, if you don't have the grip strength to, to facilitate it. So you'll see people go and get straps and all that type of stuff. That's not the. I'm sorry, it's not the answer, nor is it the solution. Now. I don't want people bringing up, well, you know, uh, you know, uh, Olgevsky Olenov, the seven-time world champion who uses straps. Okay, uh, when you decide that you want to get on world championship level, when you've trained to that point, 
then you can use straps too. When you are a recreational lifter like most of us are, start working on your grip strength. Because I can tell you right now that Olgevsky is probably going to be able to deadlift seven times your body weight without even having to touch a strap. Right, Com comparing competitive world-class professionals to average everyday Joes doesn't really make strength. It doesn't really make sense. So work, and it doesn't make it doesn't make strength either. That's that is true. So working on your grip strength is 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 fundamental to long-term sustainability in terms of success. And 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 for not for more reasons than just actually being able to lift a lot, but being able to avoid injury control aspect is key. Remember, when that bar starts pulling away from the body, one of the things I talk to all of my students about and all of my 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 trainers is that we are strongest when weight is closest to the body. When that bar starts pulling away from the body, that's increasing our lever length. That means the longer the lever length, the heavier the load focused further away from our center of our frame. That is an accident waiting to happen in the long term, and that is something that we do not want to experience. So keep in mind, grip strength is incredibly important in the long run in terms of getting to where you need to go. A next tip, and, and this is something that came to my mind actually when, when, when talking about grip strength, is train your legs. I can't stress enough, when we talk about leg strength, there's direct correlation with leg strength and all other strength above. For those of you guys who don't know, we have muscle tissue, fascial lines. We have basically overlaps happening all over the body. One of the biggest overlaps is from our thighs. Uh, our rectus femoris, so the big thigh muscle right down the middle of the body, that connects right at our hip. Uh, right at our hip junction. You know what else connects there is our abdominal tissue, our rectus abdominis, our transverse abdominal, all those muscle tissue connects there. So if you are somebody who just likes to do heavy bench or chest or whatever the case might be, you're missing a huge component to your success by not training your legs. And in fact, if you are someone who doesn't like to do heavy chest but doesn't like using legs, if you're someone who's just someone trying to get just generally stronger, you're missing a massive component there by not targeting your legs. And in fact, studies have shown when we talk about, you know, uh, HGH or human growth hormone, the natural kind. The majority of it is stored in our lower limbs. So in order for us to facilitate change, whether that's getting bigger, getting stronger, faster, leaner, whatever the case might be, it begins with targeting our leg tissue. So train your legs and not just your quadriceps, train, train your, your hamstrings, train your glutes, your adductors, train your legs because they are the base of support and they help kind of control every element outside of that. Next. Don't be afraid to deload. One of the things that we don't ever talk about is taking rest periods in the gym. I cannot stress enough that as human beings, we are very adaptable, as I said earlier, but we are also very stubborn. And this can cause training plateaus or even worse, training injuries if we don't address it. So what we want to look at from a long-term success standpoint is focusing on the things that make us successful, make us whole, make us one. And one of those things is going to be consistent exercise. Another thing is going to be consistent rest. Generally speaking, I prescribe uh, when working with all of my clients or, you know, when, it, when, when coaching a lot of my trainers, we prescribe rest uh, periods or what we call a deload period every approximately every six to nine weeks. Usually in that nine week range is good. You go through two blocks, four, four, uh, four to eight weeks of training, then you get that ninth week as a deload. For those of you who don't know what a deload is, a deload is taking the top set that you normally work with and removing it. 
So sometimes when we hear deload, we automatically say, oh, hey, man, I get a rest week. Yes and no. So it's, it's a rest week in theory because it's not as hard, but it's not a rest week because you're not taking the time off. I'm not a big advocate of just walking away from exercise uh, for no reason, although I love taking time off. I think it's important to take time off uh, for many different reasons, which we'll talk about at another time. But um, a deload is not that. A deload is going from the 100% effort, going, for example, going back to our squat um, iteration, if we were squatting 100 pounds, and you want to drop down to about 50% of that in order to allow the client to adapt. So I, I would even be okay with 50 to 60, but usually about 50% is a great way to go. So this means that, for example, let's say you've had a client for six months um, and you haven't had a deload. First of all, shame on you. But let's say you decide to put in a deload. What I would do is simple. I would probably go back to their first or second week of programming and have them do that for the week. You'd be surprised because clients will come in and they'll be like, oh, man, I want to push some more. This seems too easy, like yada, yada, yada. When you're going through a deload, guys, we're not there to break records. We're not there to even break a sweat. We're there to go through the motions without, without having the pressure of external stressor on the physical frame. So you're not, you're not pressuring yourself for 10 weeks straight, 12 weeks straight, 16 weeks, 20, 20 weeks straight. You're not wearing down your joints, wearing down your ligaments, wearing down your muscle tissue every single day trying to attain a goal. Next, the emotional pressure of having to attain a goal is not there either. So let's say you have a, a uh, let's say a, a, um, uh, an upper body push goal, like a, a bench press goal. You're not stressed and pressured every Wednesday at 12 noon knowing that you have to go in and get this set done and you've been doing this for the past six months and you've only gone up five pounds. A, a big component of that reason is going to be, first of all, maybe your programming is an ideal, but next, you need to take breaks. You need to have deload periods in which you are exercising without the need, the necessary, uh, the necessity or the goal of progressive overload which is really the principle of general exercise, progressively overloading to get to a point. But we don't always have to exercise with the goal of progressively overloading. That doesn't need to be the focus all the time. So with your deload, you're simply coming from a state of, let's say, going at uh, 100% of your normal effort, and you're coming down to, let's say, 50 uh, 55 or 60, and you're going through the motions, you're allowing yourself or your client to have exercise without expectations. What you will find is that clients will initially say it's ridiculous, this doesn't make sense, but then they'll kind of like it, you know, second or third session in that week, because they'll start to feel a little bit more refreshed. They start to feel a little bit more poppy. They got a little bit more pump to them. Don't let them jump in early. It doesn't matter. Still, you're going to make sure that they take time off, but it, it's an important facet for them. One thing I want to be clear on, though, is, is, is that it, the deload is not only important just to give them time to rest, but it's also important to develop something that we call super compensation. And we never talk about this enough in fitness is the concept of super compensation is making yourself better today because of what you did yesterday. One more time, the, 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 the process of supercompensation is making yourself better today because of what you did yesterday. If you think about the fundamentals of life, that's literally what we are trying to do. We are trying to set ourselves up tomorrow because of what we did today. And, and that's what we can do with health and wellness as well. 
is super compensation is key. So we are allowing our body to de-stress, not just physically, not just mentally, but emotionally, psychologically, to allow ourselves to be stronger moving forward the next day. And studies have shown that if you give your body's periods of controlled rest or controlled off stimulus, your body will actually recover to be quite stronger than what it was originally. So if you are someone who was maxing at 100 on your bench press for the past six months, and you finally, and you finally plan in a deload week, you might take time off, you know, come down to that 50%, you might come back the next week, and you might be up at 105 without effort. And that's because you're allowing science to dictate the result, not effort. So I, I want to be clear on that last point is that the goal of every session should not be progressive overload, right? At some point, we have to stop that. For some, at some point, we have to stop chasing that carrot, you know, because we're not always going to catch it. And we have to be okay with that. It's all about concise, consistent, and smart programming. That's how we're going to build strength and strong clients. So I want to stop there because I could go on for uh, on and on and on. If if you like some of these tips, I got like 15 or 20 more, but but uh, I, 15 or 20 at least more. But uh, I don't want to I don't want to kind of bog this this podcast down too much with that. But I want to just kind of give you some some tips. I think it'd be super beneficial for you as you build towards your strength careers. And I, and I want to remind everyone who's listening to this podcast that strength is the foundation to success. There's a foundation to all things that we do in life, not just fitness, but we ground our fitness and strength because it's important to recognize that tension is what creates opportunity. So when, if you are a trainer, if you are a client, if you are just an exercise enthusiast, I want you to reevaluate your current programming and ask yourself, are you doing your body a service or a disservice with the way that you're planning your strength? And uh, if you think you need help, feel free to reach out to me. You can meet, you can catch me on Instagram, only the strong Daniel. Send me a message and just let me know you listen to this podcast and you need help putting together a strength program. I'd be happy to give you some tips or tricks. Or if you feel like, you know, you need help and maybe you're too shy to reach out to me, reach out to a friend, get someone else to evaluate, do it all the time. I say, hey, especially with my business, you know, I, I, I reach out to, t- to trusted colleagues all the time. Hey, Susan, tell me what you think about this. And, and, I, and I want the honest answer. Susan will say, hey, it's great. Hey, not so great. Hey, you could improve this. Hey, you're right on track. That is how we get better as a whole. And when we look at the concepts in the value of strength training, that is no different. So moving forward, guys, take this as a value proposition. Strength training is the literal fundamental to how we build success. And it all begins with tension. Thank you so much for tuning in this week, guys. I hope those tips and tricks were awesome. And and if you see Dwayne Cameron, you can tell him I said to... No, don't tell him anything. I'm sure if you listen to this podcast, he'll know how I feel. Thank you so much, guys. I will see you next week. Peace and love. Thank you for supporting Real Raw Recorded. Help us grow by sharing, subscribing, and rating this episode. And as always, we will see you next week.